Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined today by Colin Drew as we are here to break down the Northern Trust, which is the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, you know, I don't I actually don't really want to be doing this show today. Um, you know, Jim Herman stole money out of the out of my pocket. Uh, Billy Horschel really stole money out of my pocket by choking away a lead to Jim Herman. I mean, that is that is inexcusable, Colin. It's, it, it's inexcusable. <laughs> Especially for somebody as left and liberal as you just to get absolutely body bagged um, by a Trump supporter like Jim Herman. Just, just that has to make it even worse. No, I mean, I, I wasn't even I wasn't even really following that close because I saw what it was at, at the turn Horschel was up two on the field and I was like okay well I just I'm counting this money already anyways you know there's no like I'm not I'm not sweating this out and then uh my buddy Justin Bailey texted me because he knew that we both had the ticket and was like yo are you watching this and I was like no and he's like on 18 Horschel is down one to Herman and he's got this approach shot that he's got to hit two and he's got a birdie to force the playoff and I was just like this is a nightmare like this is just a stone cold nightmare like wake me up I, I can't I can't deal and uh yeah Horschel Horschel left his putt short and uh you know not not great not great yeah yeah and our our boss Jeremy Stein he had like a 60k sweat on that and yeah like you said I mean it's not like Horschel, I mean, granted, you would have hoped for a better result in 18, but it's not like Horschel played bad down the back nine. He just he just kind of got beat straight up. Yeah, I mean, he had, what, he shot minus five on Sunday. Generally, that's going to be, like, that's going to be enough to get it done. He, I think he started with three birdies on his first four holes to just immediately overtake Siwoo Kim on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, my, my tilt of the week was a, it was a new one. So I always do the round four showdown projections um, for ownership. And I've been doing that kind of since the COVID restart, just because the prize pools are juiced, may or may not keep that going once NFL's here. But so I stay up, you know, wait for all the Saturday stuff to finish. And then usually once my wife goes to bed, I'll do that at like 10 or 1030 at night and right. make my lineups then too. And my newborn was just not cooperating. So like I finished the ownership projections, I made the lineups and then it was a disaster. And so I didn't get to enter any of them, but McPutts went absolutely ham on Sunday. And just to like tell myself, I was like, I know I must've had McPutts. And sure enough, if I had been able to find the time to click submit on those lineups, I would have finished second in the round four showdown. So that was my tilt for the week. That is, that's some pretty good tilt. That is, that is, I mean, McPutts, by the way, if any of you guys out there, if you know Danny McPutz, uh, he, I think, is the next great guest for the Take Cast. You know, I think the long line of Tom Hoagie, uh, Dylan Fratelli, and Jill Damon, I think. I think McPutz is a great fit. So uh, if any of you guys are out there, uh, please, yeah. please get me in touch with he, McPutz. At a minimum, he needs to know that his nickname is Danny McPutz. I think he, I, he has, like, 1,200 Twitter followers. Like, this, he will, like, Come on, guys. Like, he's got to do the show. 
Um, so we go from, yeah, we go from that to a pretty good field this week. The PGA Tour schedule is interesting because, you know, we've got the FedEx Cup playoffs now, and then there's like one swing season event, and then it's boom, like US Open. So all the big names are here. Like the guys, you know, there are a couple obviously who didn't end up making the playoffs, but like the big names are here. Everyone's going to be gearing up, trying to get into form for the major. So, I mean, I expect a really good field this week, a really good winner this week, and a great tournament at a pretty decent golf course. So I'm pretty excited about uh, the Northern Trust at TPC Boston. Uh, I love this golf course. I love this event. Like, this is all – this is – I mean, I don't ever remember having a great DFS sweat here, but obviously any event that Bryson wins, pro- like, I just – if I went back and looked, if I had to guess, that I probably would have made have money. smashed. Yeah, not, not well, even. Rory's, not even. Won, Rory's won too, twice, I think. Correct. So I just, I, I would assume that the reason I have positive feelings for this event is that I have uh, made money here. And also, back in uh, the last iteration of the golf video game that EA Sports made, the Rory McIlroy one, this was one of the more fun courses to play on there. I, rem- I remember that. Uh, you know, it's no, it's no the Golf Club 2019. I know we're all, I know we're all getting very stoked for the release of uh, PGA 2k21 but yeah this is uh it's also just like a really pretty course to look on uh, to watch on tv yeah yeah you got it all scattered out from the video game days uh but part 71 7250 yards i mean it's it's pretty much a perfectly neutral course fit you look at some of the guys who have won here it's the top end players um at the time and the guys getting course history adjustments maybe are sort of the medium length accuracy players like a gary woodland matt kuchar paul casey type um so I think those are guys who get a slight boost, but obviously the field is so strong. The incentive is so strong just from like a monetary perspective. So everyone really shows up in good form. So um, it's kind of neutral. I mean, I think it's a week where you could kind of toggle things off on course fit if you wanted to uh, just because of, you know, what we've seen here historically. And I think we're, we're definitely going to see like a, a class winner, you know, pretty good players finishing inside the top 20. Yeah, uh, this I, I, I think that your strategy for this event can be kind of similar to your WGC major, you know, major strategy where you pretty much expect the winner is going to be, you know, one of the, you know, one of the 15 favorites or so like it's just very uncommon for, you know, total randos to uh, to win this event. Also, before we we get into um, the DraftKings guys by price range, I do I do want to chat a little bit about, so I, I did lock Webb last week and yeah. he was fine. Right. What, what did he, what he finish like T12, I think in, in the end or something like that. Like, but, but basically though, realizing that, uh, that I did that. I mean, that if you do that strategy and the guy's the most expensive, he's got to win because locking in, locking in the T14 is, is basically like even min caches are not that easy, especially when you play 35% Jim Burek. Well, I mean, Webb finished third, so like. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then I yeah. should have made money. Yeah, you must have done some other <laughs> other things with the player pool there. Uh, well, you I might have seen that Eric. instead of seeing T three, you saw one three or something like that, as you were like glazed yeah, over what, from too I much time that. in the sun. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I mean, I think he definitely was not a requirement just because of some of the other guys at the top, the price of those guys and, and some of the lotteries, he definitely wasn't a requirement, but um, he was on winning lineups and, you know, smaller field GPPs, higher stake stuff and uh, things like that. So, I mean, I, I do agree though. You kind of did need that. Like if, if he had finished like 15th, he definitely wasn't going to be on the winning lineups. Um, but that's also because yeah. a more expensive guy like Horschel was, was there in contention. And, 
for the most part, the other expensive players, I, I guess I would say they failed. Uh, like the direct pivot of Kepka obviously failed. And, um, but like Horschel was there, Patrick Reed was inside the top 10, Sung JM. So those I, I must add like no stuff. Horschel is, is must have, because with, with the web lock, I must have had very little Horschel. And that's, that's why it was so bad. Yeah, I mean, it was. Pro- I mean, like Ryan Moore was a guy that was a disaster last week. We were pretty high on him from a value perspective, and so there were plenty of of ways to get it wrong. I certainly got the main slate wrong. I, I, that's why I wasn't really like tuned in on right. Sunday. It was because I just had zero lineups to even sweat for like a min cash. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's get into it at the uh, at the Northern Trust. You know, is, well, just as we start here, Rory, uh, JT, uh, JT is the most expensive. Then Bryson, then Rory. Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, all above 10,000. My guess is just from looking at the projections uh, and, and running them once with no rules or adjustments, I am just going to get overloaded with uh, with one Mr. John Rahm this week at, at 10K flat. Yeah, I mean, that definitely seems like it's going to happen. And, and kind of rightfully so. Like, the, the price on Rahm, it doesn't, certainly doesn't feel like he should be, you know, $400 cheaper than DJ and $800 cheaper than Rory like I get that Rom's been a bit up and down but he really does have everything like he he's got you know off the tee game he's got approach game he's got around the green game and putting when he's on and in the weeks that he connects those he wins and uh, so it doesn't feel like he should be $800 cheaper than Rory who really hasn't had anything connect um, since the restart you know good off the tee play essentially every week but kind of middling um, anywhere else and so I think the price discount of ROM definitely makes him an extremely good value. I imagine that's got to be consensus. I, I haven't run the oh, ownership sure projections yet, but he's he's got to be like 20 minimum, maybe 25 at the top end. Um, so in terms of between JT, Bryson, and Rory, do you have a, a big personal preference there? Um. I like JT the best of, of those guys. Uh, I just think the overall balance of his game is stronger. I think he's at least over the next like three months, I think he's, he's probably the best player in the world. And uh, I think Bryson, man, Bryson is definitely an enigma. His off the tee play is just outlandish. And I do think that's entirely sustainable. His putting is absolutely absurd right now. And he he could still be an extremely good putter and not able to sustain like the level of heater that he's on with the putter. And so he he's been Mick Putt's level on the greens. It's absurd. Uh, but if anybody was going to be like, oh, I'm going to crack putting, it's going to be the scientist, right? So you can like always talk yourself. Yeah, like into he's got why. he's got the math down of like, oh, you know, I just need to do this every time, and my putts are going to roll in. I mean, he made a 90 foot putt three weeks ago. I watched yeah. it happen. He made a 90 foot putt. I love that Nelson tweeted out. He's like, if Bryson learns how to hit approach shots, it's going to be like when Happy learned how to putt. Because yeah. then it would just be lights out for the field. Yeah, I mean, if Bryson could consistently I, – I, I actually do, – does he need to change the length? Like, does he have to actually change something with his clubs for the wedges? Like, I wonder if it's actually not possible for him to be a good wedge player with the way – he goes about things because, you know, every, you know, everyone knows all his clubs are the same length and everything. Like, I wonder if it's like actually impossible for him to get a hit good approach shots like that. Yeah. I mean, I would just say something dumb if I tried to rationalize it. Cause like he, he used to be better at approach and even started out like the first couple events better at approach and then it's kind of falling apart. So I could try to make up a bunch of narratives well, about his well, like, here's a, here's a good frame one. and his, clubs. His, 
his uh, his like pecs and his shoulder area, it's too big. So when he does the shorter, more abbreviated swing, his body is getting in the way of him like striking the ball exactly. cleaner. That's and a I great what, narrative. I know when I get really fat, my gut like changes my swing a little <laughs> bit. So <laughs> experience. But uh, I, I mean, of these guys, I would say like I like Rory better than DJ, but I don't like him as much as JT. Um, I think Rory's been actually playing very comparably to DJ, which sounds crazy because you know DJ final page of the leaderboard at the PGA Championship. DJ has a win. DJ ran insanely hot with the putter um, and he kind of had those two blip weeps, which surrounded some really bad weeks and that that'll happen with guys, but that could happen with Rory just as feasibly. And I think like Tita green, they've been playing pretty similarly. So um, between those two guys, I guess I would prefer Rory. So DJ is probably the, the guy above 10 K that I like the least. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, I think that, I think probably what I'll do is just kind of middle it between JT, Bryson, Rory, and Rom. Probably just maybe maybe make uh, min one of those guys as the rule. Generally, I would not include JT in that group, but uh, I do. I agree with you that he he is playing better than Bryson and Rory right now. And so what that'll mean is I probably will barely play any Xander. Probably will play barely any Webb. Uh, Jason Day, one of the easiest nukes uh, ever for me. I just, I just don't buy, I don't buy this resurgence uh, at all. And I mean, it always sucks to not play uh, Webb and uh, or uh, to Xander and Cantlay at these at these fields because I, I think comparably they are very close in skill to the 11k, 10k guys. But you know, what you got, you can't play all the dudes. So what I guess what is it about Jason Day that you're not buying into? I mean, I just, I think that he is uh, a sun runner and a sun runner, like in a very similar way to Bryson, but without the strokes gained off the tee, more or less. Yeah, I mean, he's been gaining strokes off the tee, for sure not to Bryson levels, but like at similar levels to like, you know, Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantlay types and his approach. When Jason Day does well, doesn't it just feel super rand? Like when Jason Day does well, you're not ever like, wow, what a course fit. You're just like, oh my gosh, he just sunrun. He just sunrun for four days. I know he's like on a sick run right now with four straight T10s, but then he, before that, he had the miscut at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Like I, I I feel like Jason Day is just a total rand golfer, basically. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess, you know, he's been really consistent, T degree, in the last four events, uh, averaging more than a stroke and a half um, per round. So, you know, getting, picking up six strokes each event and kind of ascending each event, T degree. And then you also do have like the the outlier pops here and there with the putter, which I think is something that you should expect out of Jason Day. You're not going to get him every week, but you get him here and there. So, I mean, I think Day is is definitely in play. Um, he'd be a guy who'd be maybe a tiny bit overpriced. Like, so I guess I would slightly prefer Patrick Cantlay over Day, but oh, I'd be happy also, to play either you, of them depending where, like, the public goes. You just can't play – you can't play all the dudes. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't make a player pool with equal amounts of Xander, Webb, Day, Cantlay, Brooks, Reed, and Berger. And if I think that – Cantlay is a little bit better than Day, and Data Golf also thinks that Cantlay is a little bit better than Day. I would rather play thirty percent Patrick Cantlay than fifteen percent Day, fifteen percent Cantlay. That's kind of, like I I think that in golf, you know, so much of your edges or, or so much of the the game theory comes in, um, you know, not matching the field in places and figuring out where not to match the field. And I think that inflection point 
is a good spot where you can feel that Cantlay is like just straight up a better play than Jason Day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's totally out of the question that you could fit like Rom Day, Cantlay on a roster. Um, and I do agree that when we talked about the course fit, some of the guys like, but you know, besides just being top end players, we we're talking about like these medium length ball strikers, like really good off the tee guys who are also accurate and good with their irons and Patrick Cantlay definitely fits that mold so um, definitely in on can't lie just I guess I'm more open to playing day than it sounds like you are yeah um okay can't lie I mean I, I don't think anything needs to be said he's just he's just a hero you play like 30 40 percent of them and you move on uh Brooks the, I mean if he can't if he can't bring himself to get there uh at the Wyndham I mean what like what are we even doing here no no interest at all for me I I totally agree with that uh, Reed, I'll just let the optimizer do. Like, I, I'm not going to make a. I, I always feel <laughs> the optimizer might do crazy things with Reed if you if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's fine though. You know, it'll depend on what his roster projection ends up being. But as I said, you know, probably not playing Day, definitely not playing Brooks. Uh, speaking of Sun Runners, probably not going to play like a 19% uh, owned uh, Daniel Berger. I'll let I'll let Finau do whatever. Uh, not not playing uh, not playing Tiger for sure. So because I I think that again we are in a situation where we just gotta we gotta we gotta play a lot of Hideki. Like we're just gonna play a a, a, a shit ton of Hideki this week. It's it's uh man it's it's concerning. I was I was laughing so hard. Somebody uh, posted Hideki's the, putting, the drill putting drill and Slack and yeah somebody was like he's gonna be out there all night if he has to make five of those putts in a row before he leaves. Uh, I mean, Berger's been good, like straight up good. And it's now a long period of time. Like we're talking like half a year. Uh, And out of all the guys kind of above $8,000, he's been better than Xander. He's been better than Xander with his ball striking. He's been better than Xander with his short game. And like, he's been as good as like Victor Hovland, Tita Green, who I definitely like this week. Um, And you're not, and he's, but he's been better putting and with a short game than Hoplin has so I'm definitely more open to Berger I think you know one of the dumbest things you can do in DFS is just stay stuck totally in opinions that you had in the past and not be willing to to change your mind um so I agree I'll let some ownership dictate things but like our projections would suggest that Reed is just like a smash over Berger and I definitely am not 100% there um I think I'm kind of a mindset now that I'm trying to lean like pretty into the post COVID world versus like the more long-term uh, yeah, just data model. Sh- short-term firm. I, I agree. It's gotta be King. Just the issue. I mean, like we do not have our roster projections up right now, but like yeah. we are going to be projecting Daniel Berger for close to 20% would be my guess. Maybe. Higher. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the case. Uh, there are, you know, it's always hard. I would say above $8,000, it's pretty rare that you get someone at single digit roster percent without like a compelling reason for it. Um, Tiger's probably that guy, which does sound a little bit crazy, especially in. We we always, we always think that though, but then he always creeps up an extra 2% because he's Tiger. Well, so it depends, I guess. Yeah. In the MME, like the $25 lottery, like public definitely creeps up a little bit. In like the five fifty five, I'd I'd make yes. Tiger being eight percent, nine percent. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's fair. I I don't have any interest in play. I I would play Tiger at like four percent. I think like I don't know. I just 
Hideki's just gonna is just gonna play better than him. I I know it's great. Tiger won the Masters. It's awesome. Everyone loves him. But like, it, I don't get the sense that his game is in a great place right now. Like, it feels like where, when he does well, he just is really grinding out like pars and stuff. Yeah, I yeah, know. I think that that's fair. Um, Eighty five hundred. Paul Casey gonna gonna pass on that. Well, oh, thank pass. you. Especially because Paul Casey's literally sandwiched in between the two best plays of the week, which are Hideki and Adam Scott. Uh, some some people, some people, and I won't name them, but some people were a little bit concerned that uh, that Adam Scott was not going to be ready to go on his return to uh, the major championships, cr- cranked out the T22 uh, at gain, the gain PGA like, Championship. Again, four and a half strokes putting. And yeah, just, just you know, some people fewer. were worried that noted good putter Adam Scott was not going to gain strokes putting. Noted uh, noted cheater Adam Scott uh, hit his putts. I, I I will be jamming Adam Scott. I mean, he j- this is a like Adam Scott to me when he is playing well is like the seventh best player in the world. Like when it, like his his A game can go stroke for stroke with Xander and Cantlay to me. Yeah, yeah. I think the the hard, hardest guy to figure out this week for me is for sure Victor Hovland. Um, yeah. Be- because we saw coming out like Charles Schwab challenge, I can barely say Schwab, uh, through the Workday Traded Classic. He was just an absolute machine, tee to green. Off the tee, approach, around the green, just absolute machine. And then we hit the Memorial WGC FedEx PGA Championship and he started losing strokes in all those areas. He kind of like hid that a bit in the PGA championship with a great putting performance, which he'll have every now and then, but he's not a really strong putter. So you now have three weeks in a row of, of super substandard performance from Hobland. And um, I'm still going to play a little bit, but I, I guess there's like a, a caution flag there that wouldn't have been there before. I mean, that's why you're getting the 8,200, but still. I mean, I, I prefer Hobland to Tommy. I prefer Hobland to Scheffler by a lot. I prefer Hobland to, Justin Rose, I prefer him to Hatton. Um, Horschel, I don't know. Uh, Horschel's going to have to, you know, we're, we're going to have to work on uh, repairing our relationship. <laughs> and then it's another it's another week on the podcast. It's another strong field event. So we we have Matt Fitzpatrick. He's $8,100 again. Great. Probably going to be 13% yeah. owned again. And he's probably going to gain six strokes putting. Yeah. Sa- sandwiched in between uh, uh, Fleetwood, who people love. Hovland, who some people love, Scheffler, who just always looks good in projections and is coming off of a solid finish at the PGA. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be pro- sign me up for 30% Matthew Fitzpatrick on total accident uh, once again. <laughs> That's just the way it's going to go. Yeah, um, it's because I, I never feel strong enough to nuke him because he always does enough for me. Like, I, I have no strong feelings towards Matthew Fitzpatrick either way, which is very uncommon for me and professional golfers yeah i mean he's he's european tour speed essentially yeah i don't but know if that evokes stronger opinions yeah well yeah he looks like yeah, he's he complaining just, maybe he's not yeah i mean he could be complaining we just don't know about it uh i mean do you have any do you have any thoughts on 7900 uh richard fowler um so i i would just say like fowler has had moments like Essentially every week he's had one part of his game that's like left him, but he's had the rest of them. He hasn't been able to put it all together, but there are definitely signs that it could happen. So, um, you know, for, I was, you know, like for the last six events, he's getting strokes off the tee for four of the last six events, he's getting strokes on approach for the last six, he's getting strokes 
around the green putting so but he hasn't done it all at once and i i think because of that like i'm still i'm i'm definitely not nuking him i'm probably just going to play him kind of has the projections have him um and but i do think there are signs of life and if he did come out of nowhere and and win an event it wouldn't totally shock me because it just hasn't all clicked at once so i think projections suggest maybe i'd play him at like 25 30 percent of my lineups uh and i think that's fine i'm definitely there with that i don't think i need to adjust yeah uh wolf i think is fine woodland i think is fine uh, the projections just aren't going to let me play Siwoo Kim unless I give him like a plus 100 boost or something. You can't play Siwoo Kim in this field. Yeah. Uh, Sungjae, thoughts? Um, man, uh, Sungjae is a tough one. Uh, I felt like I was playing him the entire restart. Uh, I, I'll, I'll play the projections on him. I guess if I had to only choose one golfer, I probably would play answer over Sungjae. Uh, if I could only play one of them. So single entry, that would be the guy I'd be looking for. Um, but I'm fine with yeah. Sungjae. I yeah, guess I'd I guess. prefer Fowler too, if I, you know, if those were choices. Right. Uh, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll play champ a little bit. I will boost him a little bit higher than his baselines. Just, you know, kind of on the idea that, uh, that the course is going to reward length off the tee. Won't be playing into the pyramid. Got to say, Datagolf putting some disrespect on my boy Doc Redman's name. I, I will I will be I will be playing him a little bit. Certain certainly I will be playing him more than uh Louie, who is projected for more points than him. Yeah, I, I think it, Louis is probably a pass. Shane Lowry probably a pass. I guess if he ends up like the five percent guy in the MME, I could see it, but he's probably not someone I'm looking to in a single entry three max. Um, Doc, I'm kind of like lukewarm too. The guy I'm, I'm most conflicted about this week, and it's it's got to be Mark Leishman. I feel like you tell me every week, don't. Play I mean, Mark what Leishman. what is there? What is the conflicting emotion? Like, what what is that? Where's the positive part of the confliction coming and in then, from? Like, and then I look at him and I'm like, wow, Mark Leishman. He's pretty underpriced. He's like five percent owned. Nobody's gonna roster him. Like, and I just click in Mark Leishman. I feel bad about it, and it doesn't end up working out. But I think I'm going to do it again this week. Well, you know, I wish you, I wish you Godspeed with that task. Um, Kucher, just every, every week I play like 15 to 20% of this guy and just wait for the weeks where he cranks out the backdoor T10, you know, firing the 62 on Sunday or whatever, like guy, guy lives for that. Benny, I think definitely it's pretty a strong course here. Too. I think I it's mean, definitely a Kucher course. You do? I mean, I don't yeah. even know. I don't even think there are. So I think it's just Kucher just likes money. So he finds <laughs> ways to make birdies. It's the price, too. It's like the price you're looking to play Kucher at, where, like, yeah. he could be the worst guy in your lineup, like, finish, you know, 30th, 25th, and you're probably fine. Yeah. Uh, no interest in Bubba. That's a nuke for me. Neiman, I like at 7,200, uh, you know, uh, a good little bit. I'll probably boost Damon a little bit above his baseline. Uh, thankfully looking at the projections this week without too many edits, not getting flooded with Ryan Moore. Uh, that feels like a blessing. Dylan seven K I think is pretty decent. Uh, Lucas Glover for me, obviously going to get a couple bumps. Corey Connor's going to get a little bit of a bump for me. Uh, Kevin not going to be an exclude for me. It just feels like not a not course, not a not field, just nothing, nothing about this screams like a good event for Kevin. Nah. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it could be a fine course for Kevin Na. I don't think he's, even though he's a value, I don't think he's someone that people are going to rush out to roster. So as like the last man in on a lineup, um, I mean, Corey Connors is a solid play. I like Glover most weeks, especially when he's sub 7K. So definitely fine with Glover. But uh, I'm, I guess it sounds like I'm more open to Na than you are. And I'd, I think especially as the last man in on your roster, you can do a lot. Okay. Than that. Kevin Na versus a uh, longtime money stealer of this podcast, Charles Howell, the third. So I definitely prefer Na there. Okay. And, and uh, I think kind of in, in like the, like the post restart world, like Howell, despite some okay, like game logs, he's been really bad tee to green and the bread and butter of Charles Howell was always like really solid with the ball striking and not a great putter and a guy who couldn't close, but would kind of make the cut. And so you're kind of seeing like a different profile of him and not kind of pops a little bit better in some of the, um, the ball striking stuff. And so just between those two guys, it's definitely not for me, who's, who's run just as hot with the putter, but at least in his five events, he's uh, averaging 1.7 strokes tee to green. Is is Mick Putts not at this event? I'm, uh, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting not. here. I'm sitting here and looking at uh, you know my usual Mick Putts tout range, and you know I'm seeing Nick Taylor, I'm seeing uh, some Adam Shank, but I'm not seeing Mick Putts. So, yeah, surprisingly, finishing like 50th on your best weeks is not usually good enough. So the yeah, one but he's a finish... he's a grinder though. He finishes 50th every week. That's got to <laughs> add up, right? The one good finish from Mick Potts is just, I know, there he is. He is there. He's 6,700. He's six. How did I, how, is he not getting into optimals this week at 6,700? <laughs> no, he's not getting into the optimals. Oh, okay. Well, that's why. I just got to boost him. I mean, imagine not playing Mick Potts. You, imagine quitting before the miracle happens. Couldn't be me. Yeah. Uh, so some of the cheap guys I think are playable. Uh, I do think you can play Keegan. Obviously, it's, uh, it's it's in Boston, so, you know, he's feeling nice and comfortable at home. Uh, I think that you can play Keith Mitchell, you know, just assuming that this course is going to kind of favor that uh, that bomber style of golfer. Adam do you think Shane. it's going to favor bombers? Like, you keep – you said that, I guess, not, a couple times. Bombers. I think it's fine for Bryson, but, like, I'm not looking to roster guys who are just, like, J.B. Holmesing it around the course. Well, first off, every course is a bomber's course, if you believe – and that's pretty important. Uh, one of the one of our our boys in Slack coolers said that from his early research, it seems kind of like an Augusta light where you're not penalized for missing your spots all that often. Like you can hit out of the rough, and it's not a total disaster. You know, not not a ton of water or anything like that. So I I do think that that does kind of favor the guys who hit it three thirty, but don't always know where it's going. Yeah. Um... I think it's fine for, you know, like the Corey Connors guys who are good on approach too, but I'm not like rushing out to jam like Adam Long this week is like a, a random value guy. Um, Patrick Rogers, a pretty random value guy that I probably have rostered once since or twice since the restart, more of like a guy I played in showdown, but 6,500, he lets you do a lot of things with your roster. And so um, he, he can sun run with the putter too, but he is a longer player. And so he's a guy I'd be at least somewhat interested in. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh let's look at let's look at bets for this week. I I really only have one that I think that if the number is available to you, you should go and bet it right now, and that is Hideki at forty to one. All the rest of the bets sort of seem like you can bet them, uh, but I don't think you're going to be kicking yourself if you if you don't. I think I think oh well. 
Hideki at uh, 40 and Rom at 16 seem like the two best bets this week. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, top of the board, Bryson's 12, Rom is 16. Um, I prefer Rom at 16 over Bryson at 12, but I – I felt like maybe you'd have a different answer just because of, well, your, your I mean, love for Bryson anyways. I've, but, already, uh, I've already gotten my uh, uh, Bryson too short win of the year when he won at six to one. So like, I don't feel the need to press that uh, anymore. Basically. Like I, I feel like kind of what I've been doing the last couple of weeks, uh, we had a sweat last week before so was like betting uh, like one, one of the favorites two of the mid-range guys, and then two bombs. So I, I will probably just kind of stick to that. Yeah. I, I think if I was just betting into something for fun, I think like JT 14 to one feels like a, a fair price. State of golf makes it like 15 to one. He'd probably be my slight preference at the top of the card. Yeah. Neutral uh, guys, Patrick Cantlay, 30 to yeah. one. I don't it just think seems it's, like a good number. It is. Yeah. I think it's fine. Like there's obviously a lot of juice in the outright markets generally. Um, if you're looking to grind like top twenties, not only let you put down more of your bankroll per Kelly, but you know, they're going to smooth out the variance and sometimes have less overall rake. Um, but I thought Patrick Cantley at 31 when I just kind of pulled things up and it's like, Oh, that's, that seems like a pretty fair price, especially on this course. I can't even remember the last time he was 30 to one in a, in like a, I, I don't even, I can just feel like he's always like 22. Yeah. Yeah. So th- those were the two guys that um, probably not going to rush out and make like a huge wager. Cause I don't think they're uh, screaming values, but I thought they were, f- they were fine prices at the top of the board. Yeah. And then the, the two bombs that I would bet, uh, I bet Glover at 250 and Shank at 350 to one. I think you can get it. You could probably get a good corresponding <laughs> T20 number with Shank. I mean, I was, I was making sure that you were feeling all right. Cause you hadn't, you, we'd been talking on this podcast for like 30, 40 minutes. You hadn't mentioned Adam Shank yet. So well, I guess you're just saving way, for the outright hammer. We need to, we need to go back. Tom Hoagie was your Friday night leader of this golf tournament. And I'm sitting yeah. there with the 201 ticket, just burning a hole in my pocket. There were a lot of outs I had this weekend and uh, Jim Herman just stole them all away. Golf betting sucks. Golf betting is so brutal. <laughs> It, it definitely is. And I think both of us expect one of the pedigree golfers to win the event. So yeah, like um, get your 350 to one shank ticket just because if it wins, well, I just, you know, if Adam Shank wins a PGA tour event and I don't have the ticket, I, I think that's gotta be a retirement for me. I think, I think it, it, just, it would. Yeah. I mean, it just feels wild. It, we even felt this way last week, just the randomness of a course that plays as easy as the Wyndham championship did. And like, we didn't think Jim Herman would win, but we thought it was very plausible that a 250 to one winner could emerge. And you definitely had a few of them that were live with some of the top guys failing. Uh, it doesn't feel like that this week. And so I think Glover and Patrick Rogers would be the the guys that if they were in contention, it wouldn't totally shock me, but definitely not like rushing out to hammer long shots this week. Right. All right, everyone. Oh, uh, one and done. Uh, I think you just take uh, J. I haven't used JT yet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use him. Yeah, I mean, big big purses. So you're definitely looking to. I'm, I, I'm dusted off in the big one though. I so I just I, I'm just out here. I'm just out Crying. here, you know, doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. Well, the segments got all messed up. So all the all the you know the advanced game theory I had planned out, you know, just didn't quite end up hitting. You hate to see it. <laughs> you hate to see it. <laughs>
All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Make sure to check out all of our projections and our tools that we have over at dailyroto.com. I think they'll be very useful for you if you are trying to be a winning PGA DFS player and better. We will be back next week after a Bryson DeChambeau back-to-back victory at the Northern Trust Open. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.